Welcome to Prajna Spark's Contemplation Interlude. In this episode, Yeshe and Zoba field questions from Sacred Creativity. Please take a moment to like, follow, and review us as it helps us reach new listeners. I'm so glad to be back together again discussing Sacred Creativity with Yeshe. And the first question is... You often speak about the importance of words, terms, and getting underneath their meaning. And so I'm curious about these two words, sacred and creativity, where they came from and what particularly they mean. That's a great question. I can't say that I directly translated something into sacred creativity. More sacred creativity is a phrase that came to me to serve as a counterpoint or an antithesis to dualistic perception, which is the mode of experiencing things in samsara, the mode of the mind that mistakes the true nature of things by centering a truly existent self as the focus of our life and our perspective. And as soon as we have that idea of a truly existent self, then everything lines up either in harmony with that self, which is mine, or in opposition with that self, you and theirs. It's not just that I think of me as me and everybody else as you. I think of me as me and my husband, my nephew, my friends, my teachers, everybody who agrees with me as mine, and then everybody else in the you column, in the they column. And that dualistic perception is the jumping off point for all the difficulties. Because what ends up happening is that everything in the you and my column, we have attachment to. Everything in the you and they column, we either have aversion to if it's directly opposed to the me column, or we're just apathetic if it doesn't have an impact on me and mine. That dualistic perception in Tibetan is ni zin. Ni just means two, and zin in this case means to perceive, but it also means to apprehend, to grasp to believe, to cling to. As I was trying to describe, what do we do in the middle of dualistic perception? We know that the endpoint of the path of Mahamudra is non-dual wisdom. That's one way to describe Buddhahood or enlightenment. But non-dual wisdom is something that's the nature of our mind and not yet manifest. As soon as it becomes manifest, that's all there is. Everything else is no longer a hindrance. But what happens between now and then? That's where this idea of how to describe a way of living life, a vision for life, that is still operating with a dualistic mind, and yet is moving on the trajectory towards non-dual wisdom. Going back to that Tibetan phrase, ni zin, Zin means to grasp, to hold, to clutch, to perceive, to believe, to conceive of. It's not at all creative. If anything, it's limiting, 
and belittling. Creativity is an antithesis, a way of opposing the habit, because it is all a habit, of seizing on things. Seizing on things how? As to. Me. Dualistically. What ends up happening in that dualistic perception is these constant oppositions, good and bad, black and white, virtue and not virtue, meritorious, not meritorious, joy and sorrow. To some extent, the Dharma teachings have no choice but to work with that because that's a very ingrained habit that beings have. The path is about releasing the grip of those habits. Sacred creativity is sacred because instead of being stuck on the two, on the dualism, on the opposing one against another, it's sacred in the sense that it is holistic. It's holy. It's whole. Not only is it not limited to one or another, it's not limited to both. It's not limited to neither. It's a very multidimensional open, creative space that's responsive to the particular circumstances. What we're doing is we're curating conditions that serve us, irrespective of whether they feel pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, as ways to nourish and fertilize our path, to bring us more in alignment with our true nature. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. It reminds me a little bit of the term sacred outlook, you know, sacred creativity, sacred outlook, which is, you know, one of the ways that we translate what's usually translated as pure vision or pure view. And uh, so I just love that connection of taking in the whole, you know, a way of working with dualistic mind to go beyond dualism. To my mind, they're very related. Sacred creativity is something that is working towards sacred outlook. If you're a practitioner of the Vajrayana or Mahamudra that takes that approach. But even if you're a Buddhist practitioner from a different tradition, or if you're not Buddhist, or if you're not even particularly spiritual, sacred creativity is a way of living our life that is a lot richer instead of limiting us and often causing us to berate ourselves if we don't make the right choice between this or that, black or white, up or down. It allows us a lot more space, a lot more room, and it actually gives us a sense of empowerment that our choices are not either right or wrong. There are things that are happening and evolving in the moment to which we respond moment to moment. It's very alive. It's very powerful. It can also feel a little chaotic, which is another reason why that habit is so strong. It's comfortable because it's a habit, and it's also a little easier than being responsive to life all the time. It's just not as fulfilling, not as aligned with the true nature of things. Yeah, it's such a beautiful way of bringing in all of our experience. It is. The natural curiosity, of course, is, well, how do I do that? How do I develop sacred creativity? How do I know when it's sacred creativity? Those are all questions for dualistic thinking. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. You're right. You're wrong. That's where that little bit of chaos gets in there. The way we do it is we practice it all the time, not just something that we do once in a while. 
start catching when our habit goes immediately to right or wrong, good or bad, or whatever other dichotomies are being presented when we fall into rigidity or into habit. and Start to just loosen up. Instead of literally seizing, clenching your fists of mind around two possibilities, sacred creativity opens up to recognize that those are just two points in an infinite array of possibilities that can be used as materials for crafting a life that is holistic, engaging, creative, evolving. And we do that with our low junk practice, healing and transforming dualistic mind. We do that on the cushion with our shamatha, our tranquility meditation, our vipassana meditative inquiry practice. If we're a Vajrayana practitioner, we use visualization practice. If we're not particularly Buddhist or a meditator, then we use the circumstances of our life. The beauty of sacred creativity is it's an all-purpose practice. It's less something to do or a handy set of tools to apply, and it's more an opening up of the inherent creativity of mind. Cell in Tibetan, mind's dexterity, suppleness, nimbleness, ability to be in and out, up and down, above and below, all at once. That inherent creativity opens doors of possibility that that seizing dualistically needs in closes. Mm. The next question is very popular, which is why we chose it. When I listen to Dharma teachings, I get discouraged because I feel like I have to choose between enjoying my life or giving up the things that I care about and engaging in Dharma practice only. How does sacred creativity help me address this situation? Yeah, that's a beautiful question and one that comes up quite frequently in many different dharma contexts is this sense of oh i have to give up what i enjoy today for the promise of something tomorrow or in the next life we can definitely feel a bit of repression a bit of resistance even to having to undertake the dharma uh, because of feeling like it's demanding of us that we give up our enjoyments of this life. And I really don't think that's the way it is. But I understand why this question comes up so frequently. It's something that I also have struggled with at various points on the path. And as I understand it, Dharma really is pointing us towards a deeper, more holistic enjoyment, just as Yeshe was, was describing and talking about the sense of not holding so tightly to the things that we think that we like 100%, actually developing a more nuanced view of everything, where we're able to welcome in whatever it is that we're feeling instead of only taking on part pieces of our experience and saying, this is it, this is what I want and shutting the door on the other aspects of our experience that we've labeled as bad, unpleasant, 
not enjoyable, all of those different things. When in fact, if we dig a little bit under the surface, I think we can all start to see how with anything that we enjoy, there's often a tenderness, a sadness, a vulnerability that we don't like to look at because we think it means that we're going to lose the experience. But actually what it does is when we open ourselves up through this practice of sacred creativity, through the practice of bravery, really, that the Dharma asks of us, we reap these huge rewards of being able to be more present in our life, being able to be more present with those that we love, being able to be there for our own experience instead of chasing from one experience to the next without ever giving ourselves the time to really open our hearts broadly to it. So I see sacred creativity as a way of opening ourselves fully to life in the present moment at the same time that we're also cultivating a way of being that is beneficial for the future. It's helping us develop all those qualities of love, compassion, presence, wisdom, groundedness, skillfulness in the present moment that certainly will benefit us in the future. And there's very little beyond Dharma that can be said to do that. Whenever we hear ourselves say things like, do I get to enjoy my life or do I have to give everything up so I can practice Dharma? That's a sure sign of holding the situation to be two things and nothing more. Do you see how limiting that is? There's a lot more to any given moment than either enjoy this without any intentionality or sit down and meditate and ignore everybody around me. That's not a true choice. It's the false binary that dualistic thinking puts up. And because we have such a strong habit of believing dualistic thinking, we take what we believe to be reality. We immediately get discouraged. And you know what? You should be discouraged if the only choices were either enjoy your life mindlessly or drop everything and sit there and meditate and don't do anything else. That's a real bummer. It's true. But that's not what's happening. What's happening is that needs in, dualistic perception, is fooling us into thinking that those are our only options. Sacred creativity says, well, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Just like you said, Zopa, enjoying the company of my loved ones with presence and appreciation for them, rather than just mindlessly being in the same room, how is that not a Dharma practice? Of course it is. We have a sense of appreciation and joy. Rejoicing is a Dharma practice. Maybe the loved one is giving us a hard time, and it's difficult. Patience is a Dharma practice. Everything we do, we can do on autopilot, or we can do as a Dharma practice. Just experiment. See if bringing an intention to be more open-hearted, more warm, more available, and more able 
to be a benefit for beings. And even the smallest thing you do brings more joy to your life or less. I bet you it brings you more. And sacred creativity allows you to find new and more engaged ways to do that in all of the different aspects of your life. The Buddha doesn't just say, you know, drop and give me 20 minutes of meditation <laughs> every time. And there is an opportunity to have fun. <laughs> That's not what it's, it's not just about meditating. Dharma practice is about the way we live our life. So when the teachings say things like engaging in the Dharma 100%, it means bringing that attitude of simplicity, courage, and paradox to everything we do with joy, with creativity, and with a mind to, wow, that was fun. How, how can I go even deeper? How can I enjoy this even more? How can I gain from even things that are unpleasant or challenging and so forth? That creative way of engaging life holistically is what allows us to enjoy life and practice dharma without there being an opposition between the two. This has been Zopa and Yeshe. Join us on the full moon for our next full episode. We can't thank you enough for taking the time to like, follow, share, and review Prajna Sparks. It means a lot to us. If you have any questions, contact us via email, Instagram, or Facebook. Check the episode notes for those links and for more resources on today's topic. Visit us on the web at prajnafire.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Prajna Sparks. Thank you for listening. May all beings benefit.